Hello and welcome to Next on. I'm your host, Marcus Atkinson. Uh, we have a very special opportunity today to talk to our guests. But before I go there, make sure that you like our page on Facebook. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at 814 Next. Lend your voice to the dialogue. You can catch us on the fourth Sunday of the month at 4 p.m. on 91.3 FM. In studio today are three of our current and future leaders. I'm very excited about not just this group, but about their generation, because I think that they're coming into their own and taking on responsibilities within the city of Erie to help move us forward. And so without further ado, I bring you Mr. Zachariah Sharif. Zachariah, welcome to the show. Thank you. All right. I bring you Miss Susanna Faulkner. Susanna, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. And Miss Shateria Franklin. Shateria, welcome to the show. Thank you. All right. And so just to talk about their current positions as we go into the interview, um, Zachariah was currently or is has recently been appointed to the school board. Correct. Filling in for Leatra Tate, I want to say you have been? Dr. Leatra right. Tate, yes. Filling out Dr. Tate's position until the end of the year. Susanna's in a similar situation with Liz Allen. You have been recently appointed to city council. Correct. You will finish her term until the end of the year. You are undecided in terms of whether or not you'll run, from what I understand. Have been undecided, but made the decision on the holiday yesterday. We I'm going to move forward on that, that two years. It's a WQLN <laughs> exclusive, ladies and gentlemen. She is going to <laughs> unpack that for us. And Shatiri, I want to make sure I got you. You're the assistant grant administrator for the city of Erie. I am. Very nice. And you are a small business owner. I am. You're an author. I am. You are a Jill of all trades, not I to be am. confused with a Jack of all trades. I am. All right. And so we're going to start over here with Zachary, and then we're going to work our way around. And so, Zach, talk to us a little bit about your background leading up to you being appointed to fill this position on the school board. Um, your involvement in community, your relationship with Erie, give us your backstory. So, uh, as Mr. Atkinson, uh, my name is Zachary Shreve. Originally came here in 96 to Erie as a refugee from, mm-hmm. from Somalia, went to uh, public education, uh, went on to uh, Penn State to uh, get my bachelor's degree in business management and marketing. I worked in a host of jobs. I even worked with, along with you through the YMCA and housing, I remember housing, that. housing authority. And, uh, and then currently, uh, I work at the Erie County Department of Health. I've been there for three years as a public health educator, but I've always been involved in the community, uh, tutoring at the, our school district, uh, helping at the YMCA Kids Club for Erie Housing Authority. Mm-hmm. I've worked, worked there as a mentor with youth, and uh, and currently a co supervisor after school program as well. So you went to public school here? Yes. Erie, okay. Yes. What high school you finished here? So I went to. Burn school before it was closed down. Then when yes. when then, uh, actually my first school I went to as an ESL student was Glover Cleveland. Glover Cleveland. Glover Cleveland. Then I went to Joanna Connor for a little bit. Burton, Woodrow Wilson, the the East High Warriors. There hey. you go. Yeah, yeah two of you here. <laughs> yeah, East High Warriors. <laughs> and uh, I graduated uh, 06 and I went, then went on to Penn State Maine. I was there for uh, two years and. I, Kind of did it backward. Went to main campus, then came back to Penn State Erie and graduated. From Absolutely. That. Listen, and for the listener, so we've got two East High graduates. Yes. My younger sister graduated from there, so go East High Warriors. Yes. We have a Collegiate Academy graduate. That's right. Right. And you know, any anytime we get a chance to go after the narrative of what the Erie Public Schools Absolutely. is producing in terms of productive citizens, I always go after because there's this misconception. Absolutely. Somebody was quoted in a newspaper a long time ago, and I won't say his name, making disparaging comments about one of the local high schools. And I said to myself, he is sadly mistaken in terms of the caliber of graduates the Erie's public school system has produced over the years. Absolutely. But I digress. So you're the vice president of JFK. Yes. One of the neighborhood centers that is iconic in many of our eyes and because I, it helped raise a lot of I us. I grew up in that area. So I used, that's to, what I'm I used saying. to go there as a youth. Yes. Very familiar Same. narrative. And you're also the vice president of Islamic of the Islamic Association of Erie. Yes, sir. Talk about that a little bit for us. So, you know, I took a role in there because the same thing with trying to be on that board to engage youth, try to change the narrative of how we can bring kids to faith-based organization. Often, I feel like we're missing the mentorship. So to be on this board, I want to, because I'm one of the youngest one on the board, so, you know, a lot of them I want to change. Like, how can we engage kids, you know, bring them, bring them back home, back to faith-based organization, do activities with them. That's one of the reasons why we brought the after-school program in that center, yeah. bring it to the communities where actually where they live and to have more impact. 
Mm-hmm. Excellent. And so your role at the JFK, you said you grew up in the JFK. How's, how important is it to you to be able to impact the next generation in the very same facility? And when Susanna, when I come to you, I can ask the same thing in the very same facility to help shape your reality as a young adult. Absolutely. Because, you know, as you know, when I was young and, you know, often there's nothing to do after school. We went to JFK, you know, played basketball, met all, met one of my best friends in that in that area. Yeah. So, you know, it's a, it's a I want to say it's like a, a safe haven for kids. And one of the centers that's actually opened the latest, like mm-hmm. until like almost nine o'clock. So, you know, we g- give an opportunity those kids who grew up in that area. My parents still live in that in that you know yep. in in that area. So I think it's very important. And it's, it comes back like 360 in a way because, you know, Mr. Meredith, who's the president, and, and I used to go there when I was a kid, and, and they nominated to be the uh, the vice president. I said it's like, it was like a no-brainer yeah. to serve in the community that I really grew up in and, and giving it back. So let's talk about the school board. Why the school board? At what point did you decide, you know something, I want to serve on this level in this capacity, and how and why did you come to that decision? So as I mentioned earlier, I was – I was always focused in in community engagement. Like uh, you know, even when I was at Penn State, uh, when I came in the summertime, I would work in the summer schools. But as I went transition to my professional life, my previous job as a management, I worked a lot of hours. I didn't have that much wiggle room. And after I became switched careers in the health department, you know, and one of the biggest, I'm a father of five kids, mm. you know, and. If, to have an impact, I feel like I need to be right at the center, uh, sit on the table, represent those kids who might not have a voice, mm-hmm. you know, as also as a new American also, just to empower the next gen- generation to say it is possible, uh, you know, to run for office. You know, you might not get it on the first time. I didn't. You know, I was, you know, I, I ran a good campaign, but, you know, you know everything happened. There were a lot of good candidates and when I you ran. And everything happened for a reason, and now I'm in a situation I was appoint- appointed. So, mm-hmm. you know, sitting up there really... I can see sometimes, you know, I says my first time being on the board, they doing the stair climbers, you know, some of the kids that, that come up there, you know, people of color or whatnot. It just, mm-hmm. you know, I, I hopefully that I'm inspiring a lot of kids that look like me. Right. And I want to be not just the voice for my kids, but all the district and ch- trying to change the narrative about, as you mentioned earlier, public, there's the negative persona that public education gets. Right. Because there's a lot of good things that are happening in the schools, our teachers, our staff, things that they're doing. Excellent. And lastly, before we segue over to Suzanne, I mean, when you look at the landscape of the Erie public school system, it is. And for those of you who haven't checked the demographics lately, I encourage you to do so. It is majority minority, like 60 percent, I believe, in the Erie public school system. And it's kind of a snapshot of America, because while we are still debating the value of diversity education, we're still debating, debating the value of critical race theory, things along these lines. We have the landscape of this city, this state, this country is changing as we're having this conversation. And I find it laughable and sad when you see this debate steadily raging on and the browning and the diversification of America is continuing right underneath our noses. So your appointment just kind of moves in the direction of, let's get different perspectives, especially where our children are concerned. Susanna, let's go over to you for a minute. And so you've been appointed to city council. Correct. Now I know that you also are educating in the arts in the neighborhood center that you grew up in. That's true. And it's grew up true. around. It's it's amazing. It feels really full circle. And so even just being here today, yesterday was the day that the city now honors uh, Miss Carla Hughes, who mm-hmm. was a very formative educator for yes, so many of yes. us. Yes. And uh, I came back to Erie working remotely in the height of the pandemic in 2020. And uh, it was actually at her funeral that I got reconnected with so many folks I hadn't seen in 13, 15 years since I left Erie. And in that moment, it just became a new mental note for me. What would Carla do? And that has been my guiding light over the last since she passed. Mm -hmm. And. That really is why I, you know, stepped up to, right. you know, King at, teach at the King Center where I grew up mm-hmm. and, and also to put my name forward for city council. Yeah, Carla Hughes, I mean, she just had a heart of gold yes. and she really, for her age especially, left a lasting legacy. So it warms my heart and others just to see her honored, rightfully so, in the manners in which she is being honored. <clears throat> so city council, you have mm-hmm. you have entrenched yourself in community. Well, let me say this before we go on. You left Erie, I want to say, for 13 years? 13 years. 
and came back. Right. I left for 12 and came back. Mm -hmm. And so the magic question, what brought you back? What brought me back? Um, Well, first of all, all of our lives were turned upside down with the pandemic, Right. right? My work was remote. And the question was, am I really going to go a year, two years without seeing my family and without being back in Erie. I've never gone more than a year without coming back to visit for a week, for two weeks, for three weeks. And so I was really thinking to myself, okay, I have the flexibility to be anywhere. And then I was looking around and really taking a look at Erie and what's happening in Pennsylvania and seeing how critical it is as someone who works in policymaking, advocacy, to be back in Erie because I saw the good seeds that were planted and I decided it's time to buy a car, drive cross country and get myself back to Erie. Mm, You saw the good seeds that were planted. Mm -hmm. Unpack that just a little more for us. I like that statement. Yeah. From everything from some of my friends I grew up with starting businesses and Mm -hmm. being successful and young entrepreneurs, I loved to see that. I loved seeing some improvements to our parks and our green spaces, knowing we have such an opportunity with the blue economy here. Um, I loved seeing things like, you know, new art centers and more creative performing arts and things like that. Right. Um, more partnership between public and private, the universities, the businesses. So I just saw that and thought, hey, this is this is a community on the rise again. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't want to miss this opportunity to be a part of my home and my home growing. So before your appointment, you did not run for city council. I did not. I so did what, not. what made you decide to even put your hat into the arena here? Was it a personal decision that you came to on your own? Were there others kind of speaking into that? How did you come to that? So my thought process has always been being that I, you know, I studied political science at college. I've got my master's degree in public policy. I've worked around government officials for my whole career and always in support or advocacy roles. And my thought has always been, when I am called to serve, I will put my name in the hat. And so the two weeks from the time they announced the city council opening until the deadline, I turned my application in the day before, um, I had so many folks who I work with, I'm close with, say, hey, are you, you're going to apply, right? Not even like, are you going to, but like, you're, you're going to you, apply. You, did you already apply? Please tell me you already applied. And so... I really, you know, I believe in being embedded in community and, you know, if you are asked to lead and you're able to step it up and do that, that was my call to serve. Mm-hmm. And so I knew I had a one in 20 shot at right. it and thought, okay, like, let's let's throw it in and let's see what happens. So before we go to Shateria, was there any trepidation whatsoever because the person you're replacing made it clear that she just didn't feel like it was as productive as she wanted it to be. She had her fair share of frustrations. Mm -hmm. Uh, Liz was a phenomenal city council member, phenomenal reporter. She's been a wonderful citizen, period. Absolutely. But did that give you any trepidation at all when you were deciding on doing this? It definitely gave me a pause for a second of reflecting on it. But if anything, I think it motivated me more to bring my experience of working in government in San Francisco, in London, in policymaking in different places to say, okay, how can I bring some sensibility here so we can overcome and bridge those divides? Right. And so when you and and I'll pose this to you as well before we go to Shateria real quick. So you're coming on to city council. Is there a process or has there been a moment where city council members or a member kind of came to you and said, hey, let me talk to you about how this works. Did you have that moment? And I'll ask that the same of you. Did that moment happen for you? Yes. I'm really grateful for uh, President Chuck Nelson. A few days before I got sworn in, he took me through every single hall and office of City Hall, introducing me to folks, just giving me some ropes and um, city clerk, other supporting staff in the city clerk's office have been really helpful of just Learning the ropes of this new job, honestly. Got it. Got it. Zach, did you have that moment? Same thing. Uh, Jay Brenneman, Daria, and uh, Miss Pickett uh, reached out to me and, uh, you know, gave me a little feedback. And it's still an ongoing process. It's definitely the same, same situation. A few of them reached out to me as well. Got it. That's, that's always a great place to start when Absolutely. you have somebody kind of wrap their arm around you and say, this is how it works. And so this is good. Shateria. Yes. You like Corey Cook always say we're all and you Corey Cook and Brandon. I'm like we're all going to end up working for these three at some point in time. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's funny. You have a wonderful background again, East High graduate. Yes. And I look at your journey from East to Gannon. Yes. Single mother at Gannon, but you powered through. Yeah. I love that. Now I have a soft spot for that narrative. My mother powered through when she was a young mother. Talk about your journey, 
not just to this position that you have with the city, but just through school and as an entrepreneur and what set the stage for this new role? Well, um, yes, Gra- East High graduates um, went on to Gannon and I was a mom, as you stated, Marcus. Mm-hmm. So I had my first baby when I was getting ready to graduate East and went to Gannon, which was my absolute last choice. Um, I wanted to go somewhere else. I got accepted to about 20 something universities all over um, because I graduated um, high school with a 3.8. Nice. So um, I got accepted everywhere I applied. So I was like, I'm going this way because you just feel like when you're young, hey, I want to break away from my family. I want to go to a new city and learn some new things. But um, I am a faith-based um, person. I believe in God and I believe everything happens for a reason. So my seeds were planted right here in Erie, mm-hmm. never left, went to Gannon University, still got my degree. My son was four when I graduated. Nice. It's probably one of the most um, amazing accomplishments I had to date to be able to walk across the stage and see him. He was so excited. I still, we talk about it to this yeah, day. Yeah. He remembers it. Um, so then went on. I had a few jobs. I worked for the state, did some things. But then I also had an entrepreneurial spirit um, because I was in a management role in a store, Charlotte Russe, in a mall for years. Mm. Um, and I did that at the highest level. And I always had this sense for fashion. And I'm like, hmm, you know, life happens, pandemic hit. And unlike most business that were shutting down, my business was birth in the mm. middle of COVID. Everyone thought I was crazy. They were like, right. what are you doing? And I... It just kind of made sense for me um, because, once again, I was having another baby in the middle of COVID, which was crazy and scary. And the job that I worked, they were like, you can't work anymore. You you go and you interact with too many people. I went in homes. I provided supports um, for elderly people in their homes. And mm-hmm. I set up their services. And it was like, no, you can't do this. You interact with too many people. We don't know what COVID does to the pregnant woman. So to, as of right now, clean everything out your desk. You got to go. Yeah. So, okay. All right. What do I do? Now I'm coming in. I have a new baby coming on the way. Can't work. What do I do? So I just kicked in my entrepreneurial role, something I had in my notebook, and I birthed my boutique. Nice. First African-American business in the Liberty Plaza? That is correct. All right. Yes, that's applause. Last week was two years um, there in that space. So excited to continuously still be going through COVID, through all of those challenges, the ups and the downs of being an entrepreneur, learning experiences. So I'm excited to still be there. I, you know, it, I never forget, and even now at my age, I can remember vividly my mother loading us up on the city bus, getting off of one, dropping my brother off, loading me back up on the second bus, dropping me off, going to work, and then watching her take all of these different courses at her uh, her place of business, which at the time was Erie Insurance, and watching her grow in her role. So it makes me think about that when you say you and your son talked about that. He yeah. remembers that to this very day. He does. And the impact that that must have. And then I think about you doing Destiny of Our Daughters. Yes. Right? Yes. My nonprofit organization, that is my baby. Talk about that for a minute or two. And how did you give birth to that? Because I I find it admirable that you want to, all three of you, in in all three of your narratives, there's this ripple effect of I want to impact the lives of young people on a large scale. Right? What made you want to take that step and move beyond your own children? Yes. And just impact children in general. So first I can say, although I was a single mom, I had the most wonderful, amazing mom and support system. Mm-hmm. So I was never by myself. Me being able to go through college was because of that support of my mother, my grandmother. I had that strong sense of community and family. So that drove me to want to be able to give that to other people and young ladies that 
didn't have that support. There's yeah. so many younger girls that may be in a similar situation to me, but they may not have that outcome that I had because they didn't have any support. Right. Um. So growing up, I always had people that believed in me. We'll speak again, like Miss Carla Hughes. We grew up in the same church, Second Baptist Church. She actually was one of the first um teachers of dance. We did the mime in church. Oh um, yeah. So we have a strong rooted history that I had mentors throughout my entire life, all the way back to Burton Elementary School mentors, people that told me I was great and that believed in me. That so matters. when I birthed Destiny of Our Daughters, it is a mirror of that. All of that support that I had for myself that may have changed the trajectory of my life if mm -hmm. I didn't have it. Um, I want to give that in my program. So that's what we do for young girls ages 8 through 18. Yeah. We empower them to find their divine purpose in life um and for them to just be great and no matter whatever challenges they face we yeah. want to be there at every stop to know that they're supported and that they can do it well i guess this is where i have to ask you about the assistant grand administrator position you have for the city of here it's, it's probably the least interesting thing about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but i have to ask <laughs> we'll touch on that briefly and go back to the good stuff. No, what is, so talk about that role in the city of Erie. What do you do and how did you find that position? Yes. So um, I love being an entrepreneur, but will I, will, I like being a manager of my business. I don't like being a worker. I Got like, it. That's how you grow. Yes. Manage it and hire so, somebody to do the day-to-day. -day. So, yes. That's so how you grow. For the last two years, I've been the manager, the worker, the everything for my business. And it became quite challenging and overwhelming. And so this position came about also by just networking and being in these different spaces. And someone just told me, like, Sarah, you should apply for this position. You, you'd be good there you'd be able to kind of make some of those changes that you want to see in the community by being in a space in the city so i was like you know what why not i give it a shot got an interview for it and i was like okay got a second interview for it i was like, okay and yeah. then i was um asked to take the position so i took the position january 3rd um and I love the position because, first, I will say, being in that department of community economic development, it grows. It's the glue. And it's a lot going on right that now. It grows the city of mm -hmm. Erie. And I'll also say having a director who is an African-American woman. Right. Um, Miss Smith is so educated. She's mm -hmm. so smart. And thorough. And very thorough. <laughs> you better have and it together if you deal she with her. She absolutely knows what she's doing. Yep. So to have that leadership. To see that space, um, someone that's been with the city for quite a long time, mm -hmm. and for to call her my boss, it a woman that looks like me, that came from where I came from. Yeah, that matters. Um, it matters, and we the things that we do and the money that we administer and monitor, it keeps our city going. So yeah. it gives me a sense of fulfillment to know that I'm a part of that process. Yeah, and whatever I can learn from it, because I'm still learning. Um, and I'm also alongside our grant administrator, who is Veronica Fields, another African-American woman mm -hmm. in the same department. Mm -hmm. um, and it just lets you know that Erie is growing, it's changing, that these words, diverse and inclusive, aren't just all in board yeah. words. Mm -hmm. It means something. Got it. And I enjoy what I do so far. Like I said, I'm still learning, so I can't really say like, oh, I got this mastered. But it is a learning process. I plan to be there for as long as we see fit. Mm -hmm. In whatever role and however I can grow in that role, I'm excited to do so. So let's stick with that theme of who is speaking into your journey. And Susanna, we'll come to you in a second. I want to start with you, Zach. Larry Meredith, Gary Horton, these are just a few of the names that, that really have elder status, especially in the African-American community, let alone Greater Erie. You know, what does it mean to have some of these elders that have a plethora of experience speaking to your journey? And what kind of impact has that had on your journey up to this point? Absolutely. You know, I kind of feel bad because I didn't mention the first person. Goes back to Burton Elementary School, Ron Porter. Ron Porter, yes. yes. I don't know if you've heard of the they Burton. They called him Bud. The, I don't know if you've heard of I don't know if you heard of the Burton Stingers, the Bumble Bumble the Burton, Burton Bumblebees, Bumble the basketball. That's where it all started, you know, like here's a kid who you know, grew up on soccer, never played basketball. Right, right, right. And that actually brought discipline, you know. And he always you know, when I was young I was a little bit quick to temper and he would always 
pulled me to the side and, you know, and, and mentored me and talked to me. And he said, you know, sometimes you got to control. And it's something that, you know, when you don't notice, people are watching, you know. He was the first, one of the first mentors, Ron Porter. And and it stuck with me, actually, not through birth, <laughs> through high school. Yes. He coached us, uh, uh, you know, a lot of young uh, African, Afri- African-American uh, s- students, you know, who he, he molded us. Basically, you know, I, I call him like a, my other father, you know, and we still... We still talk to this day, and you know he, he calls me, and you know we're advice always motivates me, always tells me, you know he, you know that sense of, uh, you know what I'm doing is, uh, it's the right thing, you know? yeah, and and that's where it all started. You, you know, Mr. Myers is another one, you know, Myers. you know, you know one of the uh, one of the best principles, you know, the things that he did to motivate, uh, you know, students. Incentivized education, yes. not just kids coming walking in the door for six hours, but like he made it like where every kid wanted can actually want it to be there and excel. Yes. And you talk about kids in the public schools, kids, a lot of the kids that went to uh, Collegiate Academy. You know, you talk about these kids are coming from these schools. You know, Collegiate is a diverse school itself. You know, kids were coming from then Wayne Middle School, uh, uh, Woodrow Wilson School. Mm-hmm. You know, I had an opportunity to go to. Uh, Collegiate, but I chose East because a lot of my friends were going. I was in athletics, but we still, in a way, we all accomplished what we need to. You know, we got to where we we wanted, regardless of what school we went to. So, you know, that's kind of the message I want to send. Yes, you can go to Collegiate. Yes, you can, but you know, it, it depends on on your drive. But at the same time, I I feel like now more than ever, these kid these young kids need mentors, mm-hmm. uh, positive role models, and that's what I, I want. I had a lot of people who impacted me in that way so I want to hopefully give that back to uh, mm. our community show you how small areas when I got my first job in supervision it was at UPS and I was a preload supervisor and it was an African-American reload supervisor who was my mentor and became a personal friend and like a big brother to me that was Ron Porter wow you talk to him again you ask That's him about right. that yeah, yep, yes. and show you how eerie is this is a very Porter. small city absolutely Susanna let me ask you the same question the people that just kind of impacted your journey here in Erie Yes. I think for me, so much of it goes back to dance. And so we talk about sports. And one thing about dance is that there's no season to it. We're doing it all year long, you know, six days right. a week from the time I was 10. It was five, six days a week. I'm at the dance. I'm at the King Center. I'm at the dance studio. And so Miss Carla Hughes, Nate Johnson, the two of them were absolutely fundamental in bringing me up into a world where I was confident. I had the discipline I needed. And I felt like I could reach for my goals, not just in dance, but also in leadership of saying, yeah, hey, we'll make adjustments for you. You want to do student government? Go for it. But I need you to work a little extra on Sunday and come in and practice. And so I saw how I could balance those different things I cared about in life, you know, like, well, we have an entrepreneur, a nonprofit, and you don't have to be one thing. And I try to bring that so much to the kids I teach twice a week because I think, you know, sometimes they don't have the creativity to see beyond maybe what their parents do or what's in what's in front of them. And so I'm trying to create opportunities where they can see, yeah, you know, I had a student last night ask me, so could I be a dancer and a nurse? Of course you can. A hundred percent you can. A hundred percent. So those, you know, those two folks just mm-hmm. made such an impact on me. And being back here and working with the Sisters of St. Joseph, uh, Sister Phyllis Hilbert has been an absolute force in my life. Oh, those sisters two. are all rock stars. Absolute rock stars. And so she she tells me I'm having my, my Dorothy Day moment. And I am, I am so grateful for that continued mentorship because we always need it. Even though we're all giving it to the kids in our lives, um, I'm still taking it in and learning as much as I can. Mm-hmm. So Tara, and then you, you, you two can chime in on this if you feel. The idea of leadership. It's been a conversation, and I remember an exchange that you and another young man had with a lot of uh, a lot of uh, the older generation in the room not too long ago. And the subject of leadership is an interesting one because there's so many different concepts of what that means. Absolutely. And for a lot of people, they are literally waiting to be christened by someone as a leader, yeah. and that's their definition. Well, I want you to see me as a leader. How did you first really understand, I am a leader, and I'm going to step into that? When did that happen for you, and did you come into that realization on your own, or did you have somebody that helped you see it? Wow. So I always knew I was a leader. I'll go all the way back to Burton Elementary School, 
every morning we did the I Am Somebody Pledge on the wall. All right. And we talked about being a leader. I was the line leader in kindergarten. I always <laughs> wanted to be. And so it begins. Line leader. <laughs> that I always had my parents, um, my grandparents, even the backstories, my aunts and uncles, they always say how amazing I was as a little girl. Just always finding my own way. I right. talked early. I walked early. I did all of these things. So I think it was just naturally in me to I never followed the crowd. I always had my own mind. I always did my own thing and what I did was right. Um I always just had this way of feeling like, hey, I can use my voice. It matters. So no one had to affirm that I was a leader for me. All right. Um it was just in me. Let's go in reverse. Susanna, same question. Then we'll come over to you, Zach. Well, Shateria, your answer gave me flashbacks to being a kid at Harding on on the blacktop and organizing <laughs> games and all kinds of things. Yes. Um, you know, being really, I feel like that that servant leader was just was in my heart. I saw it by my parents. My grandparents were incredibly involved with different organizations. My grandpa was one of the founders of the MYAA out in Mill Creek. Oh, yeah. So it was just always part of our lives. And so I remember, you know, my first memory of an influx of refugees was folks coming from former Yugoslavia and remembering, hey, can we all get our toys together and make a donation? Like, it was just something that was innate and I put a lot of that to to my dad honestly so my parents didn't have really the traditional gender roles it was more my dad getting me ready for school taking me to dance getting me ready for ballet and he really you know just always reminded me that there's space for girls to be leaders too Mm. so you mentioned different styles of leaders you know I've I've been the silent leader you know I make you know you know I've never been the follower, you know, after, you know, going back to Ron Porter, you know, he always talked about being at the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sometimes when my friends want to go somewhere and, and I just had that sense, like, you know, I would tell them, like, you know, what would Mr. Porter do? You know, what would Mr. Porter say? So I've always been that, that quiet leader and did things, you know, never looked for recognition, mm-hmm. you know, just did things to bring people together. And that, and a lot of the things that I do is in, in silos, but at the same time, you know, one of the things that I have is, like, I attract people, bring people t- together. I think that comes also comes from my managerial skills, mm-hmm. delegating mm-hmm. delegating things and, you know, and, and making it look easy. Often, like, people question, like, well, you're doing this, you're doing that. When do you have time? Because there's a lot of great people that need to be recognized that's also doing the great work. That's what a leader is, somebody who brings everybody together in, in unity and accomplish the common goal, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and I hopefully that's the thing we can accomplish on our school boards, you know, Absolutely. you know, work, work, working for the best of our students. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In a minute or two, we'll close out this last segment just by talking about all the things that are going on in Erie, how you feel about it and yeah. things along those lines. But I want to stay on this subject a little bit when it comes to um, mentoring and leadership and things along those lines. You mentioned stories or narratives of yourselves when you were kids and what that looked like. And when you started to see some of these qualities bubble up to the surface and show themselves, even as young as kindergarten. I'm always fascinated by students that it, my mom would use the phrase, this kid is either going to end up at the state pen or Penn State, who has the greater influence on this child. Mm-hmm. And that has stuck with me because some of the best and sharpest kids that I have worked with were also some of the kids who just weren't skilled at regulating their emotions or had some negative influences. Talk a little bit about that diamond in the rough or those diamonds in the rough that you've experienced that you have had a hand in saying you are great and let's help unlock your potential. Have you had experiences like that? Absolutely, absolutely. I grew up with and I grew up with some uh some students, you know, young adults who were like one of the smartest kids in in a class, but sometimes like couldn't control, you know, their emotions and you know, often I feel like just needed that just that extra support to mold them. You know, you talk about 
athletically, academically, and I think it's really important, especially in nowadays, you mentioned the climate that we're in with, with mental health and the trauma. Mm, often we don't understand. Trauma. And often, a big often we don't understand where these kids are coming from. That's right. We don't know. Often we just see kids are coming to school late, but we really have to yeah, dig it's deep. Why? We have to, we, <laughs> right. It's a white right, right, right. So, like, you know, I've seen that. I've seen a lot of kids who are at the top, the top of, the, and, and often, you know, in, as mentors told me, you know, you're gonna start off with 50 friends, and they, as you go through high school, it's gonna slowly drop, mm -hmm. slowly drop. You're really gonna see those who are uh, doesn't make them bad, but often they get, you know, they get, you know, nowadays with especially with gangs, we're talking about. You get caught and up, and they get caught up, and you mm -hmm. know, and it's sad because you know we need more mentors. We need we need more uh, Mr. Horton, Mr. Mr. Atkinson. You know, really the all the wonderful wonderful stuff that's being done done to try to bring these kids back because there's a lot of peer pressure that often we don't we don't know we, we're quick to judge and say these kids are bad but we really we have to step out our boundary mm. and see how can we help there's yeah. a lot of potentials i see it i you know i see it some people haven't probably didn't see it in me but i i, I think every kid has it this should have the same opportunity regardless what you know the persona it is. So I think sometimes even sitting down with those kids, you know, that's one of the initiatives that I wanted to do when I got appointed. I said, you know what, I want to visit, my due diligence is to visit every school that I'm appointed for because I want to not just see the kids, but I want to talk to those who are... That's right. Those who are educating our kids because that's, you know, that's a must. That's a must because, you know, not just what I hear on the news, not you know, and I, I already knew... Those were all those things were not true. It was just validated for me mm -hmm. to go into those schools and talk, and 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 that's the kind of thing, I, you know. I I want to be part of. So you put your finger right on why I asked that question in the first place, because you will hear people read the newspaper and lament what they see on the news, and that kid needs guidance. That kid might need you. You might yeah. be the missing absolutely. piece. Yes, absolutely. So rather than commentary, why not get involved? Speak to that a little bit, Susanna. I feel that so much, and what Zach said is is exactly it. And so a big part of my motivator for putting my name forward for city council is the year before this, I was doing a research project on child poverty in Erie with the Jefferson Society. And it shook me to my core that 44% of kids in the city are growing up in poverty. Mm. The state and national average is 17%. Wow. We're almost three times higher in the city. So I hear words like, you know, trauma, mental illness, the existence of growing up in poverty and surviving like that is mm. traumatic. And so I, I don't want to hear another adult say, being judgmental, being critical. Yeah. I want to see them come out and volunteer. Yeah. Find an organization you care about. Ask around. Get connected. And do your service. Because yeah. the world we have created for our kids in Erie, it's not good enough. Mm -mm. They, they, they deserve better. And so I, I want to see more and more people coming out. Volunteering is good for the community, but it's also good for ourselves. There it is. It's good for us. There it is. It's chicken soup for your soul. It is. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like there's study after study right. saying volunteering even 10 hours a week has the same benefit to your happiness, your quality of life mm -hmm. as earning 10000 more a year. That's right. So I want to see people come out, come together, find something that cares for them, whether it's working in a community garden, working, you know, playing basketball with kids, whatever it is. Our kids need supportive relationships with healthy adults. That's right. Gosh, Tara, speak I to that agree. before we say away. Yeah, so I agree. I believe that sometimes we just have to meet them where they are yes. and literally lay down those judgmental factors. Right. because. We've all grown up, we've all done things or made some mistakes as children or adolescents that we may look back and be like, hey, if I didn't have that extra push or that extra motivation, it yeah. could have went this way. Um, I could have been easily judged as a young mother. I'm pretty sure there were plenty of people. She's not going to graduate from college. She won't do this. She won't do that. So we have to take into consideration all of those factors of what they're going through and just try to be there for mm -hmm. them. Um, we're living in a generation. These kids are going through things that I necessarily didn't have to go through with their friends being murdered and all of these things that we're seeing in the world. Trauma. Growing mm -hmm. up, yeah, it's so impactful. And it mm -hmm. 
they don't know how to un- unpack it themselves. Yeah, I lost yeah. my dad at 14. Mm-hmm. So I've had the experience of going through something that's traumatic and it's shaping me. I went through my stage and my phase where I did some negative things, and but I always had a source to come back to right. who I really was because mm-hmm. I grew up in church. Yeah. So <laughs> that was, it was in me, but I know what it's like to firsthand be a kid and not understand your emotions and that you're just acting out because you don't really understand how to healthy display your hurt or the pain mm-hmm. or not having someone there in the morning that's mom might be at work when you, by time she's gone by the time you get up in the morning you might be getting yourself together in the morning you don't got nobody saying hey you look nice today mm-hmm. or your shirt wrinkle let me iron it mm-hmm. or you hungry some of them just hungry some of them, nobody's there to talk to them. Yeah. And it's not that they're bad. These kids aren't bad. They're, yeah. they're just misunderstood. And yeah. I feel like it takes leaders like us um, to meet them where they are mm-hmm. and to let them know that they're great despite poverty, yeah. despite whatever obstacles they're facing. They can still be amazing and great. And their voices matter here in Erie to change the things that are happening. You make excellent points. I think about all of the pep talks that my wife and myself give in the mornings before school. Yes. And just those those simple things matter when a child doesn't have that, especially when they're experiencing significant things. Absolutely. It absolutely matters. Zach, go ahead. Just going back to what Suzanne said, you know, with the data she mentioned with poverty, and you talk about in the school district where it's per capita gets the least funding when it comes to, and you expect our kids to be successful when they don't have the right resources. There's mm-hmm. some schools who are performing better than others, but there's schools that need more resources. So the advocacy part is very important. You know, you know, that's why bringing parents back in, you know, you don't want people just to show up for a school board when a big decision is being made. People should be there, parents should be there at all times, see what the decisions are, are being made or advocating for level funding for our students, you know, you know, contacting our local legislators, you know, there are centers that they put our put Erie kids first when you're making a decision, mm-hmm. you know, at this budget, you know. It's, it's crazy when you look at the numbers compared to just in Erie, compared to per capita what our students get, you know, compared to Fairview, Mill Creek, it's, it's ridiculous. It you is. Know? It's very, it's disparaging, you know, and but we still expect them to do well, you know, We and we put all these negative connotations there's there's a lot you know so mm-hmm. i think we need to also that we need to hold our our elective officials responsible you know we we put them in a position when he uh for putting us first put the people first mm-hmm. that's another uh, thing that i think that's really important often in society historically speaking the needle has always moved when a coalition of different types of people mm-hmm. have come together to say you know, this brings me some angst and frustration, anxiety, whatever the situation. And I want to help move the needle forward in a given area. And it's been my experience as I can talk about, you know, the the, the Gary Hortons and the Fred Rushes and people along these lines that have influenced my journey. But then I also talk about the, the Sean Beerses and the Mike Chevaliers and the Martin Farrells, all of these other individuals that have spoken into my journey from different backgrounds who also said from where I am, from where I've come up. I want to see change. And when you bring all of these different resources to the table, this is where change happens. And so this is why it's scary when it turns into this us against you tribalistic Mm -hmm. type mentality or society because things move forward positively when all of us bring our experiences to the table because ultimately we want the same things for our families. And so I say all that to say, we'll start with you, Suzanne, with all the things that are going on in Erie right now, what gives you hope? Because there are a lot of different people mm-hmm. from different perspectives and different vantage points saying, I want to make Erie better. And we seem to be at this moment in history where everybody's shooting their shot and they seem to be saying, how does this cross pollinate? Right. How do we bring this together? Speak to that a little bit. Let's go around the horn with that. Speak to that a little bit. And how does that make you feel? What opportunities do you think lie within all of that activity? Absolutely. I think it's the energy behind it. Like, I see the energy coming out of the woodwork, whether it's folks starting a nonprofit, it's getting engaged with local development and business, our schools. And so I think what gives me a lot of hope and what gives me this idea that, hey, we might be right on that edge of building that coalition that we really need is the fact that the organizations are there 
we all need us young leaders to be the bridges between the organizations. Mm, I like so that. I see so many nonprofits in Erie, but I don't necessarily see all the ones working together that need to be working together. Mm-hmm. They might be serving the same areas and some of the same kids and same families, but they're not necessarily in the room making conversations, having strategic discussions with each other. Mm-hmm. So a big part of what I was involved with out in Oakland, California, working at a youth mental health agency, was I was the representative for the agency at all these different coalitions at the city, at the county level. And that's where the real work happened to make that systemic change. And so if there's a way that I can be a part of that and you know, talking and connecting with other young leaders, mm-hmm. that's something that gives me a lot of hope, a lot of opportunity that I think if we can bridge those divides um, and ensure that we're getting the the grant funds equitably distributed. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're getting the investments in in our schools and everything the United Way is doing. Um, I want to see a bridge of the leaders because we are almost oversaturated in nonprofits in Erie. Oh, there's no almost to it. it we're oversaturated, mm-hmm. and so how can we be working together to build some strength and some advocacy power? Mm-hmm for our kids, for our schools, and then for the whole region. Mm -hmm. You see firsthand a lot of the work because of your role. And when you aren't in that space, you mentioned grants. When people get introduced to this world, they're like, wow, there's a lot going on that you don't know about, right? So you see a lot of what she's talking about firsthand in your position and in your other life. Absolutely. And I'll say, for me, we're in a pivotal moment I'm a black woman. I'm going to just be frank that we are in this moment where black people are being in roles that we've never been in before. Mm -hmm. Um, We're taking up spaces and creating tables that we've never created before. And we're seeing this change, this shift. It's almost as if this inclusivity has been the missing piece Mm -hmm. that is pushing us forward. We're now seeing that we need to work together. Mm -hmm. The decisions that are being made for our children, for our businesses, for everything, we have to be a part of that decision Mm -hmm. because we have a lot of um, economic value. We have a lot of health value Mm -hmm. we have a lot to bring to the table so it's amazing to see that now erie we're in this space things are changing it's it feels good Mm -hmm. and i feel good to know that i'm a part of that conversation i'm in those spaces as a black woman Mm -hmm. and i will go to you i'll say something that that gary i've heard gary horton say before about our generation and we can say the same thing about when we look at your group so many of these young leaders that you see were produced by us, the Erie School District, the neighborhoods of Erie. That matters when you're making decisions because you have this organic pool of of history to pull from. And so, you know, that alone makes this a very hopeful moment. Give us your perspective on this moment and what it means to you. Well, you know, this is hopeful right here. You're talking about just us three talking to you, uh, young leaders who are given opportunities to serve in a space that that can make an impact on on everybody's life, whatever you're in the uh, city's office, uh, city council, school district. So for us young leaders to be involved and to sit on these decision making, it's, it's a huge, you can see that Erie is pivoting. A lot of people might not see it, but slowly things are changing. Yeah. And, and, and you know, inspiring, uh, allowing young young minds to to come in these spaces not there's nothing wrong with those who, who are older and are still s- sitting there but you need some of the voices of the young leaders because it's a the movement that's what it is because a lot a lot of us are not sitting just sitting back and uh other people to make decisions we want to yeah. be in those roles mm-hmm. and, and I, that's that's the hope that i see a kid who who come from all over different country able to sit on the school board you know i, I see a hope in that and I hope that this will continue in, in generations to come mm-hmm. and that inspire, uh, you know, the next uh, Atkinson, the next Sharif or, mm-hmm. you know, for them to have that, for them not to have that hesitant, hey, am I wanted here? Mm-hmm. And you mentioned, at the end of the day, you mentioned we all want what's best for our, our city. That's right. And you know, I'm invested. You know, a lot of people couldn't move out and go elsewhere. But guess what? You know, where you stay at, where you're rooted 
at least if you're here, have a positive impact, Con- yes. contribute. Just yes. don't be the person that's just always negative. Be that person that's gonna, you know, inspire another kid. You know, it, I've, I was told it just takes, it might just take one word to change a kid. Yeah. One mm-hmm. word yes. to change a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just, uh, just a little bit of comment. I was listening to the Jefferson Society, uh, Mr. Antonio Howard. Yes. Just listening to Fascinating him. Fascinating story. Just yeah. listening to him. A kid's words matter. You know, one decision, one one bad decision does not make a child. You know, that was very inspiring. I encourage people to go back and watch that. Yeah. You know, there's there's a lot of kids, as you mentioned, are misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Are, are really misunderstood. Yeah. So you mentioned you mentioned people not being able to see the change. It's it's like watching a speedboat versus watching you know a cruise liner. Yeah. Right. The speedboat turns. You see it. Yeah. The cruise line is turning. You're like, it's not moving. Actually, it is. It is. Mm-hmm. It's going to take you a minute or two to realize that it took that left. Absolutely. Moving yes. a city is like that cruise liner, man. I yeah. mean, when it's when it's turning, when it's changing directions, you know, it's stealth. Yeah. Right. You can't really see it, but it's happening. It's happening. Let's talk about our goals as we head toward the finish line. You talked about a goal, Zach, of in your role as school board. You wanted to go to all the schools that you serve. So that you can see the students, you can see the teachers, you can meet the parents. You want to go where it's happening Absolutely. so you can have a better idea of your role and serve in a more profound way. And so, Susanna, I'll bring that to you. Mm-hmm. What's your goal in this new role? How do you want to be the best steward of this position as you possibly can be? Yes, I'm going to start off with holding some town hall meetings, um, create some spaces where I can talk to community members, neighbors who I haven't met yet. Um, Zach and I were talking just before the interview. It's not about just listening to the loudest voice. Right. And so I'm really trying to create some spaces where I'm not just hearing the loudest voice. And that's a big goal for me. I'm always going to come back to be trying to be in a representative for our kids. So, you know, every kid growing up in Erie under 18, they don't have a vote. They don't have their voice to share. So it's our job to make the hard decisions for them for their futures. Absolutely. So I'm gonna really focus on that, focus on things that support families, childcare, affordable housing, mental health services. Um, there's plenty of folks I feel like on city council who really represent business, enterprise, different things like that. I'm gonna take it back to kids and families. Mm. Your goal, Shatera, and your role. So my city goal Hall. and my role in City Hall is to just really in this year learn all the things that I can learn, um, be the best that I can be in that role. I really want to understand the dynamics of the politics of the what we fund, how how it's funded, just really understanding because I feel like we'll go back to that news thing. We see things and we'll say, oh, the city has eight point million dollars and it needs to go to this or that. And I think being in the sector of, wait, we need to understand how this money where it has to go, where certain pockets, mm-hmm. it, all of these dynamics that the average citizen may not know. There's the point. And I feel like having that understanding helps me to be able to mediate some conversations in spaces that I take up and give people understanding to not be so judgmental of our city is not doing this or we're, we're doing that. I'm not seeing these things happen. Really just ignorance is a thing mm-hmm. yeah. that mm-hmm. will stunt the growth. Yeah. So I just want to be as knowledgeable as I can um, in, in that role. And I'll say for my organizational standpoint, I really just want to impact any young lady that I can yeah. in that role. That is the most important thing for me is impact. Anyone that encounters me, I want them to be able to take something from that encounter that mm-hmm. is impactful. To this is what I love about Susanna's goal of the, town hall and to not just want to hear the loudest voice because in all three of your roles and Shatir especially what you just said the average person there are just so many things that they don't understand how it works by no fault Mm -hmm. of their own right no one's explaining it right right and even from a consultation standpoint in my profession I can't tell you how many idea people you know, that are oftentimes from the city or from marginalized groups. Hey, man, can you help me walk through an idea? And I will carve out space. Come meet me at the office and give them an hour or two of let me just start getting your brain working on what how this thing works. And they're like, oh, and so their idea now they start to look at it differently. Is it even doable? Is that the right perspective? Is that the right angle in that space? And so it feels like an opportunity, as Susanna pointed out again 
to educate people and say you wanted to go to the schools and meet people and to help parents understand here's why you should attend meetings in general and not just when we're going to cut something or fire somebody, Mm -hmm. right? You two, real quick, for, for Zach and Susanna, the issue of... And obviously, this isn't going to be solved today. And I brought it up at the end of the show because it's something I guess I want you to ponder. And if we ever bring you back, we can talk about it once you are into your roles. Police, fire, teachers. We talk about the value of having people that are organic. You're from this city. You live in this city. You serve this city. Those three professions, there's not a lot of folks in those professions that live in this city. You educate our children. Mm -hmm. You serve and protect. You put the fires out, you don't live here. Is that something that crosses your minds as you think about your roles? Absolutely, because you mentioned, like, especially just just COVID. Just just imagine the roles teachers had to play. Like, you know, you know, nobody expected COVID to hit, but now all of a sudden they have to learn a new role, the zooming, and then then you look at policing with everything that's happening nationally, and it kind of puts all sometimes puts them in a negative position, you know, and the way people think ab- about them, you know, just like we say, not all kids are bad, not all cops are bad. They're, they're there to protect and serve. So we have to s- send that mindset. You know, I have a different views about policing in schools when it comes to that, but you know, because the, 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 like we mentioned, the demographic, 60% of minorities and just the history behind it. So you got to kind of change that. Uh, and then you talk about the fire, three, all those positions out which is crucial and not a lot of minorities are going into that so we have to change that that negative perception that we need more uh, you know the Erie School District is you know slowly is uh, with Mr. Uh, Nixon uh, yeah. you know working on diversity bringing diverse yeah. te- teachers into the schools and he's doing a good job and not, not many people know about it you know he has a goal like trying to increase it every year but Parents want to know if, you know, if they're not at the meeting, mm-hmm. he's discussing these things, you know. And the policing at the same time, yes, we do need police to protect, but at the same time, there's places for everything, I yeah. personally believe. And, you know, and, and, and you don't see the event that was happening yesterday at uh, Quality of Life bringing those programs to the community. Excellent. You know, and, you know, let officers talk to these youth kids, you know, and not what they just hear and see. Five, the first uh, fire police chief, African-American, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Officer Lennox, and all those, um, Mr. Mike Outlaw. So they see, you know, people that look like them. And I think that was very, last night was a very mm-hmm. impactful event. I thought this was, and I know that this is a loaded topic to have at the very end, but yeah. it's one of those things. <laughs> oh my, but we need it. But it's one of those things where I, I throw it out there just so that you can have it in the back of your minds in your roles and we give it some conversation because there's constant conversation about, you know, those three roles in particular. Yes. How many aren't, they don't even live in the city. Mm-hmm. And what does that look like? So your thoughts on that as you're going into this role, how do you increase that? How do you bridge the knowledge base since mm-hmm. there is this gap? Yeah, it's concerning to me. Um, I, you know, I'm I'm not a parent, but I often feel like a parent with the 50 kids I teach every week with, with dance. And so... Um, I want our kids to have the mentors, the leaders around them who are from their community. They are embedded in their community. So I want to even go a step further back of what are we doing at Erie High, at Collegiate, at our other schools, even middle school, these conversations need to be have of, hey, this is a possible career path. Yes, that's there it. This is, is that a possible was my career comment. path. I was just waiting. And so same wavelength. And also there's other things. We've got to look to other communities you know, I think it's it's pretty incredible. You look at Erie and we have a really we've got pretty great diversity and representation when it comes to social workers, more and more therapists, counselors, nurses. What is a way where we could get those social workers more in the schools, in the police department? So they're responding to mental health emergencies, things like that. So I think there's ways we can look beyond just the teacher, firefighter, police. We can create those pathways for those careers. But then also, can how can we look at those other careers where we know we're facing mental health crises. We know that youth suicide rate is the highest it's ever been. Mm-hmm. So how can we look at social workers, counselors, and elevate that as the fourth most important role, mm-hmm. like we said, with those three? Got it. Those are things. Shatira, you want to add to that real quick yes, before I close I out? I just wanted to say that I feel like it's our due diligence to make sure this next generation understand that they have roles in all of those spaces. Mm-hmm. So we, we see that 
um, people are serving in those spaces that don't live in our community. And I think that is because the lack of what we've done as a community to make people believe that they can be teachers, mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. can be police officers, they can um, be firefighters mm-hmm. or any other of those roles. So it's it's our job to just make sure that we are our next generation. We need to instill greatness in them. That's right. Yes. As much as we can. I wanted to end on this note because. It's kind of open-ended because it's been a constant debate with every generation of servant leaders in all of these roles. That conversation that we ended on, I would love to see you be ambassadors of bringing that conversation to the table consistently. Yes. In your roles, because I feel like it's a conversation that we have and we never really make the strides that we should when it comes to that particular topic. Thank you all so much. Thank you. For Thank coming you. on Thank the show. Right. Uh, Zachariah Sharif. Yes, sir. Right. Susanna Faulkner, Shateria Franklin, our young servant leaders in key positions in the city right now. It, it just makes it makes it a hopeful situation as you watch these young people come into their own, as they contribute, as they make Erie better, and they set up the next group of servant leaders that will follow them at some point. I'm your host, Marcus Atkinson. This has been Next on WQLN. Again, you can listen to the show every fourth Sunday of the month at 4 p.m. on 91.3 FM. You can also catch us on social media, on Facebook and on Twitter. And so for WQLN, I'm Marcus Atkinson. We will see you all next time.